Classic. Hey, how is everybody? Good? You guys feeling this like hipster pulpit right here? I'm feeling it. So hey, we're going to be in John chapter 13 this morning. And uh, as Bill mentioned, we had a great time up at the men's retreat. And uh, I'm sure the, the handful of guys still up there. Yeah. Getting all you can eat man food. Powdered eggs and bacon. Uh, John chapter 13. John chapter 13. Starting in verse 1. Now, before the feast of the Passover, you guys there? You guys awake? Okay, cool. Verse 1. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that is, the cross to die, that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, speaking of the disciples, he loved them to the end. And supper being ended, the devil having already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. And Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going to God, he rose from supper, from the table, and laid aside his garments, and took a towel, and girded himself. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them, uh, to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your son who became a man and lived among us and dwelt among us. And, and uh, we thank you for this lesson here, this story, this, this uh, principle. And uh, we pray that you would be the teacher this morning, that you would en enlighten us, give us ears to hear, give us a heart that's open and uh, responsive to the truth. And um, Lord, we pray by your spirit, you'd not only give us understanding, but you'd help us to be doers of your word. So bless our time, bless our time in the word. We thank you and just commit this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, you guys are familiar with the story. John, uh, actually John chapter 13 through 17 is known as the upper room discourse, right? If you have a red letter Bible, the words of Jesus in red, you'll, you'll notice that the majority of chapter 13 all the way through 17 is all red. Uh, Jesus here is spending the last moments before the cross with his disciples. So his public ministry is, is done. He's no longer walking openly among the Jews. Um, and uh, just spending this really intimate fellowship with his disciples. And it's on this night that he would teach his disciples this, this unforgettable lesson, this unforgettable object lesson, really, in humility and servanthood. And again, you know the story. After dinner, Jesus rose from the table. He uh, took off his outer garments, girded himself. That's an old King Jimmy word, right? Just wrapped an apron, a servant's towel around his waist. And poured water into a basin, and he began to go around the table and wash his disciples' feet. And you might be thinking, well, what's the big deal? Isn't that, wasn't that a normal thing in, in the ancient Middle East? And it was. Washing feet was a normal thing. If you entered a house, most, most people would have a basin and water available there on the front porch or 
as you enter the house to, to wash your own feet. But to wash others' feet, that was the role of a servant. And if you even had a servant, right? And to wash other people's feet was, was actually the task of the lowest of servants, was the task of a slave. And John in verse 3 here reminds us who it is who's performing this task of a slave. It's God in the flesh. Jesus, knowing who he was, knowing why he came, where he was returning, it was, it was this man, the God-man, who actually girded himself with a servant's towel, went around the room, and washed grown men, grown men's feet. <laughs> to you and I, that's like, wow, that, that, that's not something we do in our culture. But again, washing feet was part of that culture, but, but it was abnormal for the teacher or the master or God himself to take the role of a servant. And it's really a beautiful picture of Jesus, God becoming a man and serving his own creation. That's really what he did. As Philippians 2 tells us that we too are to have this mind of Christ, right? That he humbled himself, became a, a, a man, and not only a man, but he became a servant. And uh, there's a great lesson here. You guys are familiar with it. It's on humility and servanthood. Jesus said a servant is not greater than his master. If I, being your master, have washed your feet, I've done this to you, you're to follow my example. Copy this pattern. And so, um, amazing, amazing story and, and uh, again, picture of humility and servanthood. But listen, there's another, there's a second lesson here. And that's what I want to look at with you this morning. It's found in this passage. It's found in the interaction between Jesus and Peter. It's, it's another type of foot washing that takes place. There's a spiritual principle here that Jesus is teaching uh, his disciples. And so uh, look with me at verse 6. I'm going to get my old man specs on because I refuse to get a larger Bible. I don't know if that's uh, stubbornness or um, love for my, my own notes here. So uh, chapter 13, verse 6, and then Jesus, as he goes around the room, washing the feet of the disciples, and it says, verse 6, then he came to Simon Peter, <laughs> of course, right? Simon Peter, the most outspoken disciple out of the gang. And I appreciate Simon. He gets a bad rap very often for, for uh, maybe speaking before he uh, put much thought into it. But I appreciate him saying what he did because why? Because he said what we're all thinking, right? And Jesus answers those, those questions and his comments, and we get great insight from Peter uh, and the Lord's interaction with Peter. So he came to Simon Peter, verse 6, and Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? And Jesus answered and said to him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but you will know after this. And Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Not going to happen. This is not right. You know, Peter didn't know everything. Actually, the disciples were clueless <laughs> in so many ways at this point. They didn't actually start to connect all the dots until after the resurrection. Jesus didn't, uh, excuse me, Peter didn't know much at this point, but he did know, listen, he did know that Jesus was the Christ. 
John chapter 6, Peter makes that great confession. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. And he may not have understood all that uh, Christ came to do, but he understood that this was God in the flesh. This was the Messiah. This is the Savior. And so here Peter is adamant about Jesus not washing his feet. Why? Because that's not right. This is not right. You are my Lord and my master. You're the rabbi. You're the teacher. It's to be the other way around. You're not to be my servant. And Peter, you're not going to wash my feet. And what he's saying here in the original language is never in a million years will you wash my feet. Not going to happen. And Jesus' response is equally emphatic. Look at verse 8. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him and said, if I do not wash you, that is your feet, you have no part with me. And so Simon Peter said to him, well then, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. <laughs> Total extreme personality, right? You will never in a million years wash my feet. That, this is not right. Well, the word part there that Jesus says, if, if I don't wash your feet, you have no part with me. He's saying you have no fellowship with me. There's no communion there, Peter. And then so what does Peter say? Well, then just dump the whole basin over me. <laughs> You'll never wash my feet. Oh, in that case, wash all of me. Just extreme personality. And listen to Jesus's comment. And I don't want you to miss this because here's where our, our lesson lies. In verse 10, Jesus said to him, he who is bathed needs only to wash his feet but is completely clean, and you are clean, but not all of you. For he knew who would betray him. Therefore he said, you are not all clean. So tune into this, guys. Either Judas was the only one who hadn't taken a bath that night, or there's a deeper lesson here. You're already clean, Peter. You just need your feet washed. But you're not all clean. Judas is not clean. So what is Jesus talking about? There's a spiritual meaning. There's a spiritual principle here. He who is already bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are. And you are. If you've ever been to, uh, how many of you guys have ever been camping? That's kind of a dumb question, but most, most of us go camping. Everybody camp. Some people call camp, you know, they go and they're, their trailers and there's they got the cable TV up in there and like that's not camping. <laughs> I don't know what that is. But you usually you know when you do camp usually there's like public bathrooms and you have those shower stalls. Sometimes they cost you a quarter, right? For like 30 seconds. You know what I'm talking about? And it always runs out right when you're, you know, like in the middle of, you know, soap soaping down and then you're <laughs> some of you guys are laughing cuz you've been there. And you're, you're, you're screaming out the window asking for your family for quarters uh, to finish the job. But when you're camping, you take those showers. And then when you're all squeaky clean, you head back to your tent or your trailer or whatever you're doing. And you're in your flip-flops. And you're probably not wearing socks with your flip-flops. Because that is a fashion no-no. Just telling you right now. And in Jesus' day, people wore sandals. And they would take baths in public baths or down in the creek or whatever you had to do. And you wore your sandals. And they did not wear socks in that day. You know, it was, it was funny. I was going to get a slide up here. 
with an anti-sock sandal shot. And uh, it's actually a cool thing right now. Like there's ladies on the catwalk wearing sandals with socks. So don't Google that. But anyways, um, you would take a bath, you're clean, but walking back to your house or going to the market to pick something up, you're in your sandals, what happens? Your feet get dirty. You're, you're walking on dusty roads. Your feet get dirty, and Jesus here says, hey, you're, you're already clean. He who is bathed doesn't need to bathe again. You just need to wash your feet. And spiritually speaking here, guys, listen, tune in. There's a difference between the bath and the basin. There's a difference between the bath and the basin. The bath speaks of salvation. When a person comes to Christ, when they put their faith in Christ Jesus, what he has done for us on our behalf, on the cross, dying in our place, when you put your faith in Christ, all of your sins, past, present, future, are forgiven. And not only that, they're washed away. Washed away. Can somebody say amen to that? Isn't that good news? Washed away, past, present, future. God no longer holds those sins against you. you you've been washed. You, your sins have been paid for. They're washed away by the blood of Jesus. You're saved, forgiven, and clean by the blood of Christ. And listen, that's a one-time washing. That's a one-time event. That's, that's a one-time bath, so to speak. But here's a newsflash. Those who are bathed in the blood of Christ, uh, that sounds weird, but that's just the symbolic picture there. If you've been washed and cleansed by the blood of Christ, if your faith is in Jesus, those who are bathed and clean in Christ Jesus, we still stumble and struggle with sin, don't we? We live in a fallen world. We live in a sinful body. We have an old nature. Through the Holy Spirit, we've been given a new nature. And again, in God's eyes, we're, we're clean, we're justified, we're righteous. But the here and now, in the, the practicality of it, we're, we're still sinners. We still, you guys are all acting like you still don't sin. <laughs> I'm not seeing anybody nod their head. Uh, you're a sinner. I'm just going to tell it like it is. I'm a sinner. We're all still sinful. We struggle not only with uh, doing the wrong thing, we, we struggle with not doing the right thing. If sins of omission, sins of commission, and we live in a world that's just defiled by sin. You know, I used to work at a skateboard company, and uh, skate, you know, skateboards, depending on where you're shopping, you can go to Target and find some pretty clean skateboards. They'll probably break in a you know, an hour, one ollie or whatever, but, you know, skateboarding in general is pretty edgy. You know, graphics, it's all about the shock value. It's all about sarcasm. It's all about whatever your mom doesn't like, that's what I want to buy. <laughs> and being in that environment, guys, even though I'm not, I'm not uh, actively pursuing anything sinful or, or uh, uh, initiating sinful things, just being in that environment, and I know you can relate to this. Just being in the world, there's a defilement that takes place. I would come home from work sometimes and just feel dirty. Or maybe you've been on the internet and you accidentally hit something and you just like, whoa, and you just, there's, a, 
There's a defilement that comes just from living in this world. Are you tracking with me? Just living among, uh, in our sinful bodies, but then living among people who actually love to drop the ball. <laughs> we drop the ball, but there are people around us that love to drop the ball. And the world's constantly uh, fighting and, and drawing us in. And, and so there's a defilement that comes just from living in this world. I think I'm making the point here. But um, that's where the basin comes in, guys. That's where the basin comes in. The bath, again, the bath speaks of the washing of the cleansing received at salvation, washed by his blood from the penalty of sin, from the penalty of sin. And that's a one-time bath. But the basin, listen, the basin speaks of the cleansing from the pollution of sin, the pollution of sin. And that needs to take place how often? Continually. Yeah, daily. One bath, many foot washings. And so when Jesus says to Peter, hey, he who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, he wasn't speaking of Peter's salvation or position. He was already clean. He was speaking of communion, fellowship, relationship with Jesus. He said, hey, if you don't let me wash your feet, you have no part with me. No communion, no fellowship. So the question I have for you this morning is how do we wash our feet? How do we keep our feet clean in this world? As sinners living in a fallen world, how do we experience this practical sanctification and maintain this fellowship with the Lord? And so if you're a note taker, two ways. It's through the washing of his word and through the confession of our sins. Through washing and confession. And you're saying, wow, that was a long introduction. <laughs> I'm not going to keep you much longer, but um, important stuff, important reminder here, guys. We're washed and we're cleansed daily. That basin, that foot washing that Jesus wants to do in your life to cleanse you from the defilement of the daily sin, it takes place through washing and confessing. Number one, by the washing of the word. Turn to Ephesians chapter 5 familiar verse. You guys know this, but uh, a, a good reminder. Okay, I hear like one Bible, and it's my own. You guys have Bibles? Okay, cool. You guys are scrolling. Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 25. Husbands, Love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he, that is Jesus, might sanctify or set apart and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word, that he might present her, speaking of Jesus and his bride, the church, you and I, that he might wash, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle, or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, his own body, but nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. For we are many, for we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. 
And then quoting from Genesis here, for this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and be the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery. Here's the key, verse 32. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. And so Paul here is drawing a parallel between Christ and his bride and a husband and his bride. And just as Christ washes his bride, how? Through the word. A husband is to wash his bride by and through the word. And that's what I want you to see here is that a water is symbolic of the word of God. And so we're, we're to be washed by the water of the word. Listen, when you and I spend time in the word, reading, meditating, uh, studying, discussing with one another as we ought to be doing, as we're in the word, um, we're, we're not just reading a book, are we? We're not just reading a book. We're, we're not just doing some, uh, performing some Christian duty. Christians read their Bible, and I got to read my, my verse of the day. That's good, but we're doing more than that. We're actually communing. Listen, we're communing with the living word. We're communing with Jesus himself. And through his word, the Lord not only instructs us and corrects us, he washes us. This is so cool. The Lord washes us through his word. Our hearts and our minds are washed, cleansed from all the junk in this world and all the junk that our minds absorb by living in this world and all the junk that we actually uh, get our hands into, sin. And in and by through the word, this amazing, miraculous thing takes place. Jesus actually washes us. He washes our feet as we spend time in the word. Amen? Isn't that cool? Have you experienced that? I know, I know that you do. I know that you do. You guys, are, you guys are students of the word. You're lovers of God and his word. And that, that washing, guys, it, it's got to take place uh, through more, more than like a verse on your coffee mug. You know, that's cool. That's good. It's, it's, it's going to take place through more than a magnet on your fridge, you know, or those little, those little mints with the verses on them. You ever seen those? What are those called? Testaments. Testaments. <laughs> Did you just make that up? Coming from the Punisher himself. Testaments. Yeah. Little mints with a little scripture on there. And that's cool. That's great. And, and I would, I would, I would venture to say that many of us living in the Silicon Valley, that, <laughs> That's about as much time as we have, seemingly. But listen, the washing of, of, of the word, the washing that Jesus wants to do in your life, it's, it's got to it's gotta be through um, meaningful time with him. It's got to be spent through quality time, right? Quality time with the Lord. And so if that means staying up later or getting up earlier or, or taking a break from uh, going out to lunch with the coworkers and just saying, hey, you know what? It's, it's been a day. It's been a couple days or I didn't get the chance this morning. I need to get in the word. I need to get in the word. Why? To renew my mind, to wash my feet, to, to give me the right perspective. Have you, found, have you found that that's what takes place in the word? God gives you a clear perspective. The fog is removed 
and you begin to think straight, you begin to think biblically, you begin to think your thoughts begin to align with his. And, and the, the issues that you're going through, the sin that you're struggling with, wow, it, it gets put into perspective. And you go, whoa, okay, God's on the throne. He loves me. He died for me. He's coming back for me. And uh, <laughs> he's going to be faithful to carry me through this. And, and uh, we're reminded of his forgiveness and love for us and his plan for us. It's just a beautiful thing. It's a supernatural thing. And we could go on and on. And we're Calvary Chapel. You guys are, we're about the word. We're about the word. But let's remember, listen, we need to be about Jesus, the living word. It's not just the Bible. It's the living God that meets and communes with us through the Bible. Amen? And so the washing of our feet, the washing, the cleansing that needs to take place, guys, it's, it's in and through the Bible. And I, I can't tell you, know, every pastor will, will tell you this, but you, you meet with folks in counseling, and the first thing that you ask when people are, are they're tripping, they're going through things in life, the first thing you ask is, what, how, how's your walk with the Lord? How's your time in the Word? And very often, it it's, could be better. That's, that's the answer, a.k.a. I'm not really in the Word. I'm not spending time with the Lord. Let's start there. Let's start there and watch and see what God does through that cleansing. So it takes place through the washing of His Word. Secondly, this cleansing takes place through the confession of our sins. And that, guys, is found in 1 John chapter 1, if you want to turn over there with me. And actually, man, this table is really cool because you can just leave your Bible right here. There's plenty of room. First John chapter 1, starting in verse 5. Same author. This is the message. Well, Holy Spirit, same vessel. John, this is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Now, listen, that fellowship there is not with each other. That's not what John is talking about. He's talking about with one another, two parties here, you and God. We have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So what John is talking about here, guys, is not a matter of salvation. He's talking about um, fellowship. This is not a, a judicial forgiveness. It's a parental forgiveness. The difference there is the judicial speaks of the position, right? He's not talking about receiving uh, forgiveness for salvation. He's talking about a parental forgiveness, just as a son or a daughter goes to their mom or dad when they transgress and ask for forgiveness. You're still a son or a daughter. 
It's not a matter of your position in the family when you blow it. And that might be a word for some of the youth here this morning. <laughs> your mom, your dad, they still love you. But you, you've got to clear the air. You've got to make things right. You're still a son. You're still a daughter. But in order to maintain that fellowship, there needs to be a confession. There needs to be a, a forgiveness and a confession. And, and again, so if we're just going to look at this like in regards to washing and hygiene, spiritual hygiene, that's what we're talking about here. Think of the physical hygiene aspect. Somebody in your life, you love them, you care for them, you have a relationship with them. But if they're not brushing their teeth, you're only going to get so close. Are you tracking with me? I love you, bro. <laughs> but here's a testament. No, uh, you know, so it's, it's a hygiene issue, right? For, uh, forgiveness and confessing our sins. It's a hygiene issue. It's a spiritual hygiene issue. The Lord loves you. You're not, you're, not, it's not a, you're not being removed from the family. It's just, it's a matter of uh, intimacy and communion with the Lord. And God's saying, hey, I love you, but you got to deal with this. You've got to deal with this if we're going to be close. And John here is saying, hey, you need to walk in the light. And walking in the light, guys, is walking and living a life of honesty before God. Because God is the light. And if we're going to walk in the light... The light reveals things in our lives, and we can't hide them. We don't, we don't tuck those little sins in our back pocket and go, I'm good, God. He sees it anyway, but he wants to deal. He wants to, why? To maintain that fellowship and that communion. And listen, confession, this is so important, guys. Confession is not promising to never sin again. That's not going to happen. Good luck with that. We're all repeat offenders. Confession is not promising to never sin again. Confession literally means to speak the same. And what you're doing when you're confessing your sins to the Lord is you're acknowledging your sin and you're agreeing with God's word. You're speaking the same. His word says that is error, that is sinful, that's transgression, and you're saying, Lord, I agree with that. I acknowledge that. I confess that in my life and uh, correct my thinking, change me, and we, we just reminded of the cross, thank you for your forgiveness, cleanses me from past, present, and future sins, but I want to maintain that closeness with you, Lord. I want to walk in honesty. Am I making sense here? You guys tracking with me on this? So important, guys, to confess our sins. Do it daily. And we need to be honest before God, not holding anything back, not hiding anything from him. Again, he sees it anyway. He sees it anyway. He's just longing for that um, intimacy that comes through honesty and that's what John is talking about here and so uh, Peter if you don't let me wash you Jesus said you have no part with me you, you don't need to be saved all over again when you blow it by walking in this world you don't need to be saved all over again you just need your feet washed true for Peter true for you and I when we sin, when we fail, when we drop the ball, we don't need to be saved all over again. We just need to be washed. Amen? I used to, um, I used to DJ with these guys. They were like Christian MCs, and they were a part of this denomination, and a uh, particular denomination, and they did teach that you could lose your salvation. And so 
you, you would go to these outreaches and they would have testimonials. And I can't tell you how many people, and I was grieved by this as I grew in the Lord and my understanding of God's word, how many young people would come up and share their testimony and talk about how they blew it and, and fell into sin and then they'd, get, they'd have to get saved again. And that was through coming to an outreach, responding to the altar call. So it's like, <laughs> it's this weekend thing happening, you know? Oh man, I dropped the, I blew it again. I have, to, I have to get saved again. And what comes with that? Condemnation. Man, God's, God's, he's mad at me. I'm, he's against me. And that's not the case, guys. When we drop the ball, we're not losing our position in God's family. But we are sacrificing or losing uh, intimacy with the Father. And so that's why it's so important, guys, that we let Jesus wash our feet daily. Get in the word. Uh, let him cleanse you through the word of God. And then being honest and confessing your sins and maintaining that fellowship. I was reading about uh, the hymn, uh, Rock of Ages. You guys familiar with that hymn? Can't remember the author's name, but there's a line in there that says, um, I might have to just sing it here to bring it to remembrance. Bill, do you want to sing that for us? You got a great voice, bro. Uh, but it, so in that song, we're reminded actually of, of uh, John's gospel. When Jesus is on the cross, the two thieves, their legs were broken, and the soldier comes to Jesus, and he's, he's, he, he, he wants to know, like, he's, mar he's marveling there because he, he's, he, he notices that Jesus is already dead. But to make sure, what does he do? He thrusts the sword in his side. And out of his sight, John says what? Came forth blood and water. Now that can speak of our salvation in general as there's no atonement or a forgiveness of sins apart from the blood. And there's water involved in those sacrifices in the Old Testament as well. A lot of cleansing with the priests and, and areas where the priests were to wash their hands and all that. But it also could speak of this double cleansing, the blood and the water. And that's where that song comes in. It says, uh, rock of ages, cleft for me, let me hide myself in thee. Let the water and the blood from thy wounded side which flows be the cure, the double cure, right? Am I saying this right? Vernon, correct me on this if I'm wrong. Be the double cure, the blood and the water. Save me from wrath and make me pure. It's the blood, guys, that washes us and gives us that bath. But it's the word of God that cleanses our feet, that cleanses us from our daily sin. Amen? Get in the word. Be honest with God. Maintain that fellowship with Jesus. He, he, he initiated this foot washing thing, and he told us to do likewise. And uh, probably not initiating a sacrament for us to wash each other's feet. The church did do that at one point in history, but it wasn't until years later, and it was more of a Pope thing. But uh, for you and I, I think the lesson here is let the Lord wash our feet, and I think there's a second lesson, and that is wash each other's feet. Serve each other. Serve each other physically and, and wash each other's feet spiritually. Let's be about the word. Let's encourage each other in the word. Let's take part in that uh, cleansing 
that we can maintain fellowship with Jesus. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for this uh, promise, Lord, and the truth and the reality that your word actually cleanses us, Lord. Your blood has bathed us, so to speak, but your water, the water of the word cleanses us, Jesus, and how we need that, Lord. We're so grateful for our salvation, and we're so grateful that you continue to wash and clean us, Lord. So grateful. Thank you, Father. I pray that we would be men and women who uh, respond to your call, and every morning, every evening on our lunch break, get in the word and allow you to wash our feet. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Cool.